real boy real boy Welcome to the Real Boys Podcast, the podcast so real that it's surreal. Surreal. We're a Real Boys Podcast here on the True Boys Media Podcast Network. That's right. And we are back by popular demand for episode two. And I do not mean popular, but I do mean demand because someone with the email address beanstalker at yahoo.com sent me a photo of myself sleeping taken from outside my bedroom window with the caption episode two or else. So, without further ado, my dudes, it's time for episode two. In the nude. That's right. That's right. right. Seth doesn't have any clothes on. I'm fully naked. I'm sipping some whiskey, feeling pretty frisky. Fully clothed. It's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> dynamic between the two of us right now, isn't it? I'm enjoying it. I, I think it's nice to have one person fully clothed and the other fully nude. Yeah, and one person sort of drinking whiskey and eyeing me. Um, <laughs> Kind of like a, like a weird dad. Like a weird dad? Yeah, you look just like a weird dad. Drinking whiskey and Drinking staring whiskey at you. Staring at me while With I'm my peepers. Your from peepers. Across the, from across the room. Well, Seth, how are you doing? Well, Ben, you know, I'm doing pretty good. It's I've had a... I've good been, to see you again. Thanks, yeah. I feel like I haven't seen you in 20, 23 hours. At like least that. at least 23 hours. It's been hard. It's I been know. a hard 23 hours for me without you. Yeah. So... You know, to answer your question, I've been doing pretty good. Um, you know, the past week or so, I've, uh, well, I did Thanksgiving with uh, my girlfriend, Abigail's family, which was really fun. I got to hang out with Nana and Bubba. Uh, yeah. We celebrated my birthday. Was that your first time meeting Nana and Bubba? No, I'd actually spent spring break with them down at their house in uh, Horseshoe Bay, Texas oh. uh, this past March. So it was my second time, and then me and me and Nana were—you could say—we're pretty close. Uh, I, I really like Nana. She's she's sort of we're sort of birds of a feather, oh, uh, in, okay. in some ways. Yeah, I wouldn't say a lot. So, do you have anything on your Christmas list now that Thanksgiving is out of the way? Well, Bean, that's a real good question. Um, well, now that you mention it, I, uh, I I do. I have a a Sonos speaker in my room. That I bought because Consumer Reports highly, highly recommended it. They said it just, you know, ease of use and sound quality were among the among the best. And well, I, I was super disappointed to find that it you can only use the speaker with a dedicated app on both your laptop and your iPhone. And from your laptop, you actually can't even play the contents of your iTunes library through the through the speaker, which just is so dumb. It's lame. I'm, ben, I'm very upset because I this speaker was $300 and I did my research, I saved up and I bought it and I knew it was crap the minute I had it, but instead I was like, you know, this will probably work out. <laughs> and and then I called Sonos and I called Best Buy like 
a month ago and I told them, Hey, I hate your speaker. I hate this. I want a new speaker or I want to return this. And they said, you can't return it. And I was like, that's pretty smart. Sell people your shitty wow. speaker. And then fucking fascists, fucking capitalist fascists, pig, pigs, pigs. So I'm, I'm really upset about wow. it. So I'm for my, for my birthday, I'm looking for, uh, instead of a Wi-Fi speaker, I'm looking for a Bluetooth speaker oh, yeah. that I can stream Netflix audio. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I've got a pair of Bluetooth headphones that I like a lot. They come in handy when you're trying to jam out to some some pump up music like Eminem or something, you yeah, know, yeah. and you're playing basketball yeah. and you don't want to have those, those darn chords in your way while you're trying to cross someone over. Yeah, we're you unplug your earbuds and you can't listen to Eminem anymore. Yeah. Have you heard Eminem's new song? I have. Uh, I was shocked. Really? I was shocked by how much I didn't like it. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. It's yeah. horrible. I it's mean, bad. it's just bad. And the thing is, Eminem has been around so long and he's such a like influential person in mm-hmm. rap music that you like you feel like it's blasphemy to to say that a song that he released is bad. Almost. But, almost. You know, I'll I'll take it one second. Because he's further. a rap god. You can't blaspheme against the rap god. He is he is a what was that? Was it rap rap god where he does like a hundred words in like eight yeah, seconds? Rap god. Yeah, because yeah. everyone knows rapping fast equates to quality. That's right. Yes. The faster you can rap, the better it that's is. Why, that's why auctioneers always make the best rappers. That's true. You, you do hear a lot about auctioneer rap. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a like booming subgenre. There's is. Atlanta trap and then there's Atlanta auctioneers. Uh-huh. Which is really profitable. Um, you know, but I was going to say, I'll go one step further to say that I, I, don't, I don't like any of Eminem's albums. Uh, wow. Really? I like... You think he's more of like a, a single type artist like you know I don't even you don't like, think he's perfected the craft of the album or you just don't like his music really I think as much as someone who has been making rap music for as long as he has can like perfect a rap album like mm-hmm. in his genre his style I'm sure he's nailed it by now um but there's just something about him that just doesn't appeal to me I think and maybe that I just wasn't into rap when Eminem was good and then when I started to get into rap like his latest album was um recovery is that the one where it just has, it's just really bad and then the marshall mathers ep2 was like 19 tracks and i just didn't even bother because yeah. that's a lot of tracks yeah um, i'll be honest i've never listened to an eminem album front to back but it'd be crazy yeah it'd be like watching all three extended lord of the rings cuts <laughs> in a row except it's just this like kind of mousy-faced white guy shouting at you. Yeah, shouting, like, very angry things. If I wanted to get shouted at by a mousy-faced white guy, I'd go to Capitol Hill. Hey! Am I right, my dude! My dude. My dude. You killed it with that, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. I'm really proud of you for that one. Thanks. Uh, so, so on your on your list is a Bluetooth speaker. Anything else um, circling back to the, to yeah, the Christmas the, list? Yeah, the question. Uh, you know, honestly... That's about it. I mean, at this point, Christmas is more, I think, just about hanging out with the fam because, you know, my parents are living overseas and with my sister. So just being able to all be in the same place. And I feel like as you get older, it turns into that. It does turn into that as you get older. But for me, because I'm still I'm still a little boy at heart. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the opening the presents that really matters to me, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like if I could just open up presents, 
uh, and not have any family around. That would be like the ideal Christmas. Want the presents shipped to you. Yeah. Yeah. Ship them to me. I mean, really, because that's all I care about is like the presents. I just want, I want a new train. Do you want to hear my my list? I was just about to ask you, what are you hoping for on the 25th? I want a toy train. Um, Let's see what else I have on my list. I I made a note of this in my phone because I need to send a list to my parents because Mm -hmm. they, you know, they get on me about that. Mm -hmm. So um, a set of kitchen knives so I can cook more. That's a good Uh, good idea. The sharper, the better, because the ones I have right now are pretty dull. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else? What else? Uh, Thick rope, like the kind that won't break very easily. That's interesting. And what else? Uh, Sodium hydroxide. And that's about it. Just those three things and... You know, three simple things you want to open while you're a, a toy train. Oh, four things, I guess, four with things. the toy train, the toy yeah. train, thick rope, sharp knives, sodium hydroxide, sodium hydroxide. And Ben, to those in the audience who aren't uh, familiar with a compound like sodium hydroxide, what can you tell us about that? Why do you want it as a gift? Uh, it's like it's pretty much lie. Uh, do you know lie? L-Y-E from Fight Club. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, they burn each other's hands with it and they, yeah. they kiss it. And yeah. yeah, lye is one of the only things that, uh, that can dissolve human flesh. But that's not why I want it. I mean, no. that's not why I want it. I want the, so I want the kitchen knives so that I can cook more and cut vegetables and be a little healthier, you know? Right. And then I want the rope because I want to start getting into hiking, um, and climbing and oh. all of that stuff. And you need a, you need a nice thick rope that can hold nice thick rope, you know, that mm-hmm. won't break very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I need the lie because, um, well, because I'm getting into chemistry a lot and yeah. I want to do some chemistry experiments and upload them to YouTube, yeah. uh, so that I can make a channel full of chemistry videos that will help educate kids about chemistry. But the first thing I need, cause my first video idea is lie because mm-hmm. I want to use it for a chemical reaction yeah. that dissolves something, not human flesh, just something else. Yeah, Ben, you know, these all sound like innocuous and, uh, and you know, they're not suspicious at all. And so, I, I, you know, I'm really hoping, I'm crossing my fingers, hoping that your parents and Santa come through and uh, set you up with all you need to start your burgeoning YouTube channel. Thank you. And I hope that you have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you, Ben. Well, I have, I actually have a little story I want to tell you. Oh, you do? Uh, yeah. This happened to me it's three nights ago. It happened on my birthday, um, the night of my birthday. And I was walking, uh, sort of down a road by where I work and it was, uh, I don't know, seven o'clock at night and it was already dark. Mm-hmm. And this lady, she walked up to me and she was kind of short with this puffy white coat on holding a bunch of stuff under the coat. And she came up to me and she asked if I could help her and her boyfriend. She told me that they were having car trouble. And I've heard about scams before where people will, I don't know, get you to give them a bunch of money or something. Um, and so right away I was like, I don't have any money. And she was like, no, we just like, I just need your help pushing the car. Like my boyfriend can't do it on his own. We just gonna need someone else. And you know, I don't, I work in like a neighborhood that's slowly being gentrified, but much of it is still, um, is still sort of low income housing. Uh, not somewhere where you really want to walk around, you know, alone at night. And so I, I said, 
after some deliberation and, and I admit attempts to get out of it and to uh, just leave, including a lie about being on lunch break, even though it was 7 p.m., um, <laughs> I, uh, I said yes. And just because it was kind of sketchy, you know, I stopped by my car and put my phone in my, in my wallet in my car just because if I was going to get mugged, I'd rather not get those taken from me. Um, and I started following her and we walked back through these roads into this neighborhood. And I'm talking pretty deep into this neighborhood. This is right off Charlotte and oh. yeah, Charlotte and like the highway kind of run parallel for a ways. Yeah. And so it was almost all the way to the highway. And we, you know, we're walking up and down these hills and we finally come to the end of the road we're walking on and it splits to the left. It kind of goes down into what appears to be more residences, uh, you know, residential area. And then up, it just goes up this really steep hill. And when we get to the bottom of the hill and there's nothing at the top, there's like a guardrail at the top, but there's no houses, there's no businesses. You know, it's about 200 feet just into nothing. And there is a car parked kind of sideways in the middle of the road. And this big guy in like this big coat standing up there by the car. And at this point, I was already freaked out because it was just a dumb thing to do to just sort of walk in this neighborhood. So I asked the woman I was with, I was like, what are you guys, what are you doing up here? And she was just like, oh, we're getting high. And I was like, <laughs> great. And I knew that it wasn't like weed because she earlier, like she asked me if I could help them with her car. And then she was like, got any weed? And I was like, no. Um, and so at that point I was committed and I was like, okay, like these people are obviously on some sort of, you know, heavy drug, but they need some help, it looks like. And I'd already, like, made the decision to, like, try and be a good guy. So I just went with it. And so I walked up this hill, you know, and I sort of waved at the guy a couple times, say hello, got nothing back. This dude, stoic, just staring at us. And the car was partially off the road down on those steep, steep embankments. And so I got on the left headlight, and this guy got on the right headlight. And the headlight, for reference, like, was about at, like, my sternum. So, like, I was pretty far down the embankment. Mm -hmm. And this lady, this super high lady, got in the car and I was trying to tell her, like, you need to, you know, turn the wheel all the way to the right. And she couldn't, she, cause she kept turning it all the way to the left and then like all the way to the right, but then back to the left. Finally, you know, after I was actually shouting at her, um, is how frustrating it got. I like lost track of how dangerous the situation might be. And I was like shouting at this woman. And I finally got her to turn it to the right. And so me and this guy, you know, we sort of settle in, get ready to start pushing. And she turns the car on and throws it into reverse. And the thing starts rolling towards me and this dude. And like, I, you know, my life a little bit flashed all 24 years. Exactly. Flashed in front of my eyes a little bit. And, you know, I started shouting at her, screaming perhaps to turn on the emergency brake. And she did finally. And the car stopped rolling. But at this point, that thing was like almost in the ditch. Um, you know, and the whole idea that, you know, we could push a car uphill in the first place is pretty stupid. Uh, but yeah. And so I was like, guys, I don't know if this is going to happen. And the, the man was like, Hey, like I called my crew, like my crew is coming over. Just like, hang, like, just hang out for a bit. And I was like, no, <laughs> nah. like, I, I have something I got to do. <laughs> I don't want to um, meet your crew. Yeah. Like I'm not interested in your crew. And <laughs> so I, I, I kid you not, I ran down the hill uh, and then through the neighborhood because I was so freaked out. And I, I got to my <laughs> car. The whole thing took about 40 minutes. 
And I got back to my car and just sat there for a minute and couldn't believe. Wow. 40 I, minutes. 40, yeah, it was a long like, walk. Like we were in there. Yeah. Like I think after like 10 minutes, the average person would have just been like, all right, this has become too much of a like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> She a was waste just, of my time, but the lady seems like she at like I, like you know because I'm a kind of I'm a suspicious dude. Like I, I took it with a grain of salt, but after yeah. she you know after bucking all my excuses, I eventually like my intuition just told me like I think that this is like for real. I don't think they're just gonna like you know beat me up and like yeah. take my shirt or something because yeah. uh, I didn't have my phone on me, so they would mm. have to settle for the shirt. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that was uh, that was that happened to me on my birthday. Wow. It's pretty crazy, man. Wait, that happened on your birthday? Wow. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to die on my birthday. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it would help, like with the with the headstone to have exact, Ex- you know, exactly twenty four years. You don't even have to mm-hmm. have the days in there. You can just say, you know, twenty. He was twenty four years he old. Was exactly twenty four exactly. years old. Yeah, precisely twenty four years old on the day of his death <laughs> by by hobo. By death by hobo. Death by hobo. Twenty four <laughs> years old. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, my dude. I wanted to tell you that, my guy. Yeah, that's a good story. Um, You know what I want to talk about right now? Yeah. I'm looking out my window and it's like six o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and it's dark. It's like pitch black. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking earlier today, and this is a genius idea. So, you know, just. I'm buckled up. Just buckle up. Uh Uh, Why do we only save one hour of daylight? when we do daylight savings in the fall. Let's save four hours of daylight, make 6 p.m., 10 p.m. That way, when it gets dark at 6 p.m., you're already about to go to bed. It's 10 p.m., you know? Save, and I'm starting a, you can sign the petition on change.org called Let's uh, Save More Daylight. It's www.change.org slash Let's Save More Daylight. Let's Save More Daylight. Yeah. Um, you know, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, cause right? the sun starts coming up now it's, you know, it's bright at about six fifty. Yeah. which means that every fucking morning I get woken up at yep. six fifty by the yeah. sun. And because of my abysmal sleep hygiene, I can't yeah. get to sleep until I've watched two, three episodes of lock up. Uh, and then I can finally get some rest. So I'm only getting, you know, four, five minutes of sleep every night. Wow. Yeah. So I'm uh, only four or five. How do you function? You know, I'm just, you know, I've never needed a whole lot of sleep. Wow. Uh, I'm just but four or five minutes. I mean, I mean, have you ever slept for four or five minutes? I have not. Yeah. It, I'm usually, so I'm like a little bit the opposite. Hmm. Uh, once I fall asleep, I'm out for a good 14 hours. Yeah. And that's how I, I can't function with anything less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like 14 is about average. 14 is average. It's what, uh, it's what the doctors recommend. Yeah, and I'm a little bit under average, uh, you know, but I feel like we're both within the <laughs> we're, acceptable. Yeah, yeah, we're like not far off the bell curve. We're not, uh, I mean, you know, four minutes, 14 hours. It's like both of these are acceptable. We're like, within the within first the average. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of, of health things, um, I had this idea where, well, it all started the other day when I realized that my hands are constantly cold. Um, they're always real chilly and I, you know, there's all sorts of reasons. I'm pretty tall. So like circulation is hard. I've also haven't lived exactly the most healthy lifestyle in my Mm -hmm. brief 24 years. So I'm sure that contributes, but I was curious. So I WebMD'd it. Um, yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. And you know, cause there's lots of different things that could cause 
things. And I, you know, when, when something hurts or when something's cold, I want to know what it is. Right. Right. So I, I went looking and, uh, the first thing they, they told me is it's could be anemia. Ooh. Yeah. And for those of you, you who don't know, it's when, um, your system can't make enough, uh, red blood cells to carry the oxygen through your body. It's sort of like, the uh, hemoglobin, which is the compound in your in your blood that carries oxygen, also makes it red. Um, it can't get to all your extremities, and you know it can also contribute to fatigue mm-hmm. uh, and for, looking and looking pale. So, for, uh, for the people who listened to episode one, you'll remember that I have anemia. Ben has anemia. I'm anemic, and I don't want you to feel sorry for me. All right, but it's something that I live with every day, and it's really, really hard. Okay. Raise awareness. Raise anemia awareness. www.com.change.org slash. Let's, let's save more daylight and raise awareness about anemia. You can just sign once. Support just both causes. <laughs> sign once for both causes. And if you only want to sign one, if you only want to do one cause and not the other cause, well, that's too bad. So anyways, I've got an idea for the next segment. It's going to be called Spooky Stories with Seth segment. It's it is. Alliteration. So I'll, I'll lay the, the ambiance. And you will tell us a very spooky story. So the Johnsons lived in a house in a development called Vineyard Creek Meadows in the early 2000s. For the most part, they were a normal family, nuclear, one son, one daughter, dad, mom. They were happy. They went to private schools. Both parents had a college education, Vassar, Stanford, and their children, Jimily and Emithan, they were Good kids, by all accounts, their teachers liked them. And one morning, they got up to go to school. And in the middle of Vineyard Creek Meadows, there was an unfamiliar car, an old Lincoln, license plate from out of state, rusting holes in the car. You could see that the seats had tears in them and the yellow fabric was poking out from in between the ripped leather. They started walking towards the car while they were waiting for their bus. And Emithan said to Jimothy, who do you think drives that car? Jimothy said he didn't know. So they walked closer and closer and closer. And when they got to the car, they looked in. And there was four, maybe five people sitting in the seats of the car. They all looked sad, rather downtrodden. One of them had spiked hair. One was wearing all black, one holding a bass guitar. And they were all just staring nodding their heads. 
Jimothy got a bad vibe. Jimothy told Emmethan, I think we should go back to the bus stop and wait for the bus. They agreed. When they were walking back, they kept looking back at the Lincoln. And the Lincoln started driving towards them, all five passengers staring dead ahead. And then Jimothy and Emmethan started getting worried. And once they got to the bus stop, they stopped and they looked back. And the car had stopped and the headlights were off and the engine wasn't running. And Emmethan said, I'm glad that Lincoln parked. Thank you, Seth. Wow, what a scary story. I, I have chills. I don't I'm know quivering over here. Yeah, yeah. I'm positively quivering. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for letting me say that, Ben. Thanks for <laughs> yeah. really, really nice, nice thinking on the spot there. Yeah, I appreciate that. I thought I'd throw you uh, throw you a curveball, make you tell us a spooky story. I didn't know how that was going to end in, <laughs> until about thirty seconds. <laughs> I was like Lincoln puns, Lincoln puns, incredible. Thank you, Lincoln parked. Yeah, Lincoln parked. Yeah, Lincoln parked. Incredible. Well, um, so I think. It's it's time for a fan favorite. Uh, this is one of our most widely request requested stories here. Um, the second installment of our long running series is, is Florida, Florida so bad? bad. Should I play some Florida music? Give me that Florida music. Nothing sounds more like Florida than and some song. pit bull and some pit bull with, uh, with some help from Kesha. I don't know if pit bull is in any way associated to Florida, but uh, that song is the aesthetic of Florida. It is. It is in, like a, in one song, like an old rusted harmonium um, with Mr. Worldwide, uh, Mr. Worldwide shouting and, and club vibes, you know, club vibes. Yeah. It's like yeah. And Kesha who grew up in Franklin. Uh, Did she? The internet has told me over and over again that she's very smart. Yeah, I've heard Mm -hmm. that she like almost got a perfect SAT or something like that. Yeah, but you know, like there's one thing: there's knowledge, and there's wisdom. And (laughs) if she was wise, I don't know if she would have been on uh, Timber by uh, by our good friend Pitbull. But anyway, so if you if you listen to the last episode, you'll know that Florida is so bad. Um, we did a little bit of research and we found that on all accounts, Florida is, I mean, Ben, scale of, you know, one to, you know, 300. How bad is Florida? I would put Florida, like 300 is literal hell. Like No, no, one is literal hell. Oh, 300, 300 is, is like Alexandria, Virginia. Is that a good place? It's fine. Why is that three? Okay, well, I'm going to ignore that. Uh, that's 300, apparently, Alexandria, Virginia. Um, I would put Florida at like a... I would put them at like a 69. Like, they're Sick. pretty bad. If one is literal hell, mm-hmm. like, they're not complete. They're, like, they're not that. It's but not like hell. But the scale is to 300. So 69 is like one of the worst places you can be on earth is, is Florida, you know? Which coming is strange because usually... Coming in right at 69. Yeah, usually 
69 is not the, okay <laughs> i'm sorry for setting us up with <laughs> such a such a middle school humor it's all right joke yeah i mean we it's all still amusing it. yeah it's still amusing yeah. 69 and 420 on a scale of 1 to 420 how funny are are those jokes to you still 69 <laughs> yeah dude that's right nice that's the golden zone all right well okay so let's the, get let's, the bone let's, zone let's dive into the bone zone now and <laughs> get right into this uh so this episode i thought we were we could get a bit more specific and look at it you know, look at exactly what makes Florida the eighth most violent state in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, full disclosure on that fact, Tennessee is number four. Ooh. So that's food for thought. Tennessee is worse when uh, it comes to violence. In terms of murder. Mordor. In terms of Mordor. In terms of, on the scale of one to Mordor. <laughs> How bad is Florida? How bad is Florida? Uh, pretty 69. bad. Yeah, 69. Um, so there are a few key areas that I think we should unpack uh, to sort of get to the, the meat of Florida. Um, the first is, you know, the very beginning socioeconomics. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty easy to look up. Um, what you may not know is that Florida is the third largest state in the country. There's 20.3 million people living there. So largest by, uh, by like population, but not by geography, right? Uh, or is it actually... The third largest geographically, because yeah. I know like Alaska's Alaska's supposedly pretty, pretty supposedly big. bigger than Texas is what I heard on maps. It doesn't look like that, but it I'd, doesn't look I'd, like I'd that. I buy it though. Yeah, and then Texas is pretty big. I mean, you and know, you got, like Wyoming, Wyoming, Montana looks pretty big. Yeah, Dakota. Yeah, and mm. then you've got uh, like I would say Indiana's medium size. It's medium like size. A, it's like long skinny boy. You know, yeah. no Tennessee is long Same. skinny boy. Same. Yeah, yeah. And then, you're if so like if we were to make our body shapes like states states For you those would of us be who don't know us and want to get a better idea of what yeah want to get an like. idea of what we look like uh, so you know a, a state shape that is analogous to Seth would be like Tennessee long yeah. skinny boy long skinny boy uh, I would be more like an Ohio or maybe maybe like a Colorado I don't know maybe Michigan Michigan yeah because you kind of look like a glove. <laughs> Kinda. I'm sort of glove shaped. I've like people tell me all the time that my celebrity doppelganger is hamburger helper. I have heard that. Yeah. Have you heard yeah. that? I've heard that. The the little hamburger the, helper glove. Yeah, I know. The oven neck guy. I know yeah. The hamburger helper glove. <laughs> yeah. So, so Florida's it's big. Florida's it's big. it's got a lot of population. That's what's important yeah. here. Yeah, and you know, and in that population, the average income is. It's not actually too far below the national average. Um, and so I don't know if, if Florida's innumerable faults can be blamed on, on income alone. Um, so I think we have to go in a little bit closer and look at the worst, you know, area of, you know, of income, which is poverty. And, you know, everyone who's paying attention knows that the U.S. may be the most, you know, prosperous state with the highest standard of living in, in the world. But we have a lot of people living in poverty. And in Florida, that is very true. There's about a whole percentage point more than the national average. Um, And something surprising is that the largest demographic of people living in poverty are women between the ages of 25 and 34. 
And that's not actually a minor discrepancy. Um, men of the same age make up 3% fewer of the people living in poverty in Florida. So there's something going on so with Florida women. I might be able to, I'm just going to hazard a guess here. Mm-hmm. Total speculation. Please. Uh, and I'm going off the top of my head, uh, so I don't know the exact numbers. But uh, in the U.S. in general, the... Uh, I guess you could call them a social group that experiences the highest rate of poverty is single mothers. Mm. Um, I've heard that too. Yeah. So single mothers are are the ones who are usually the most impoverished. Which uh, adds up just off the cuff logically. Yeah, you know, it does. One job, have to care for at least one yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, compound that with the fact that uh, women on average make less than men do. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, uh, unfortunate and perhaps worse in Florida mm-hmm. than many other places, which just goes to show you that Florida is so bad. Um, it's just really bad. Yeah. So what is the sort of secret here that Florida man knows that Florida woman doesn't know? Um, you know, and I'm not saying Florida woman doesn't know something, mm-hmm. but something's different between Florida men and Florida women. Um, so it's not exactly... You know, the wage discrepancy isn't necessarily that, you know, a man working at McDonald's and a woman working at McDonald's wouldn't get paid the same thing. That's not how that works. Mm -hmm. Um, You get paid, you know, maybe minimum wage. But let's say after both of these people work at McDonald's for, you know, two years and they're up for performance review, uh, you know, on average, the man gets a higher uh, pay raise. And at McDonald's, it could be, you know, 15, 25 cents. But in this case you know, it's more likely the man will get a 25 cent raise and, and then the woman will get a 15 cent raise. And I feel like a lot of people sort of lose that when they think about, you know, wage mm-hmm. gap. Uh, they, you know, say, how can that be? Everyone gets paid the same thing. But, you know, really when you start to, you know, work at a company for a long time and start to make more money, that uh, that's going to happen more. So one reason companies don't actually want you talking about your salary with other, other people who work in the company mm-hmm. is that. Um, anyway, let's get back to, let's get back to Florida. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. get back to Florida. Let's get back so, to Florida. <laughs> I mean, let's not actually go there cause no, oh God, no, <laughs> that God forsaken hell hole so is the last place on my list. So I'll tell you what folks you're listening to, you're listening to a couple guys who really have, uh, have a strong disliking for Florida right I hate, now. I hate Florida. If you're just tuning in, this is Florida hate radio coming to you straight from Tennessee because there are our stupid little stepbrother from the South that is just so fucked up. They, so fucked they're, up. they're so fucked up. So fuck. You know, you know what's fucked up about yeah. Florida? Tell me the number one job in Florida relative to state size and after controlling for retail salespeople. Ben, can you guess what that number one job is? My guess would be DJ. Not DJ. Take another guess. <laughs> um, my guess would be... Uh, I'm sorry. DJ is the only thing I can think of for Florida. Like maybe alligator hunters. I don't know. Closer, closer. No. Uh, also, it's not club managers or or drug dealers. Uh, okay. The number one job in Florida, the most disproportionately concentrated job, is motorboat operators. 
if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people motorboating in Florida. <laughs> uh, oh, and- you know, I actually have an anecdote here, and it's not a good one, but I'm going to tell it anyways. It's going to be real short. My dude. Uh, I went to Florida once, uh, more than once, but one time that I went to Florida, we went on those Everglades uh, toury uh motorboat thing. the big fan? Yeah, the big fan boat. Yeah. And, you know, got bit up by a lot of mosquitoes. Hell yeah. Really hated it. They've got a lot of those in Florida. Florida. I think that's part of, I repress that memory about the mosquitoes, but that's part of why I hate Florida so much is they're mosquitoes, man. The people. The people. The bugs. The bugs. The people and the mosquitoes have something in common. It both sort They both of a, try and suck your blood. Yeah, they drain you just being around they drain, them. Yeah. You want to hit them when you hear them. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You want to swat at them. Yeah. I mean, you know? I don't know about you, but I've spent 15, 20 minutes with a rolled up newspaper chasing someone from Florida <laughs> around my house. Um, yeah. Just trying to kill them because God, it's annoying. Can I mean, I don't know much about the, um, the physiological makeup of Florida people, but mm-hmm. can you kill them with a rolled up newspaper? Uh, given enough time. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I'm going to put rolled up newspaper on my Christmas list as well. That's, so I've got knives, rope, uh, sodium hydroxide, rolled up newspaper. And a toy train. And a toy train. Uh-huh. Can't forget the toy train. Completely innocent and innocuous uh, things to ask for. Yeah. 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 Well, All of them. Let me get back. Let me get back to the motorboats because I think this is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, it's. I think it's well known enough that f- people from Florida are, you know, they spend their time like catching crabs and also going hunting for fish and crustaceans. There's got to be something about that job that drives people to claim their wife was kidnapped by holograms, uh, Washington Post, February 2014. But to better find out, I actually went on a job search online uh, to see what it would be like to be a motorboat operator in Florida. And maybe the most surprising thing I found right away is that most of these jobs require um, getting a drug test which may actually explain the, the lower than average uh, unemployment rate in, uh, in Florida or higher than average because everyone's got to get drug tested. Wow. Um, but it's kind of strange because I don't know why you need a drug test because this job to mainly operate, well, ferrying people across estuaries and yeah, small bodies of water. I guess when you are operating heavy machinery and I'm mm. not sure what exactly, if a motorboat would... Uh, would qualify as heavy machinery, I'll but see why not. yeah, but I guess you don't want to have people on drugs doing that. that Question sense. for you, and I don't know if you found this in your research, but what kind of drug test was it? Is it a urine test or is it? Uh, I'm assuming urine. Um, yeah. I doubt. Yeah, if if someone's going to make someone pass a drug test for being a motorboat operator, I doubt yeah. that they can afford a hair or like a blood test. Yeah. Um, when I worked in a factory uh, in Ohio, they the milk factory. Yeah, the milk factory. They yeah. made me do the follicle test, but did they? Uh, they asked if I wanted it taken from my head or my legs, and I was like, "Well, I want it taken from my legs because no one can see that hair, and I don't want to have a bald spot on my head." You know. Yeah. Because uh, they take. They take a lot of they hair. They take right? a lot of hair. Like, they yeah. shaved the entire back of my leg, yeah. my left leg. Wow. And uh, apparently leg hair grows very slowly because it's still not all the way back. I've my my right leg is hairy. My mm. the back of my left leg is smooth. Smooth as a baby's bottom. A baby's my bottom. Dude. I felt it. It is. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, surprisingly, <laughs> um, just given the condition, the you know, albeit just miserable condition of a state like Florida, 
uh, it's not even in the in the in the top twenty states who abuse drugs. Isn't that shocking? That is very shocking. I thought it was shocking, um, but not even in the top twenty. Not even the top yeah. twenty. But I, I went ahead and did a hunt on the internet to find out which lists Florida did top, and I found quite a few examples. Um, and this isn't just me cherry picking, by the way. <laughs> These are I just went down the list of Google search results and That's clicked right. on them. Yeah. And so here we go. I'm just going to read a few of them. Okay. Uh, Florida is the third worst state for human trafficking, with almost five in 100,000 people being victims, which I suppose is a lot. Um, five in 100,000. Yeah, yeah. If it's the third largest. Like that's a that's a lot for yeah. America. That's one in 20,000 for you math nerds out there. I was if, wondering, actually. If you look around, so look to the person to your left and look to the person to your right and then look to all the other people around you. And uh-huh. if you're surrounded by 20,000 people right now, mm-hmm. one of them, if they were in Florida, would have been human trafficked. www.change.org. Slash let's save more daylight and also raise awareness about anemia and also... Uh, let's stop human trafficking in Florida. It's a three for one deal. That's right. You three sign, you sign once you get three, you get, you get to feel good about yourself three times. And you know, maybe we can make a difference. Maybe. Well, let's move on. Thrillist, which ranked every state, albeit with no discernible methodology, put Florida at dead last as in worst state in the country, uh, overall. Florida has been awarded the state with the eighth worst summer. Florida has one of the highest amounts of hate groups in the country. There are 63 hate groups in Florida alone. We're talking all kinds, people who hate all kinds of stuff. Wow. There's even Florida hate groups in Florida. Wow. So we're not even doing something new here with the Florida hate. Thing is, like, I'm willing to start a Florida hate group Mm -hmm. if part of Florida... And an essential part of Florida is that they have so many hate groups. We yeah. just hate the hate groups. It's Florida hate hate. If they had groups, love groups, group. we would make a Florida love group. You know I what I'm know, saying? I don't, I don't know if I'd make a Florida love group. Well, if they had love groups. I don't know if anything could compel me to make a Florida <laughs> love group. Um, especially given that Florida is the number three uh, state in the country with the most serial killers. Relative wow. to state population. We're talking, Ben, we're talking 247 murders by serial kill, killers every 10 seconds, uh, 10 years. <laughs> um, and that's just every to name a few. Wow. That's just to name a few. So we're going to close out this that's bit wild. With, a, with a handy pneumatic device mm-hmm. that you can use to uh, remember there are two different kinds of Floridians. Mm-hmm. Um, this is called an acronym, by the way. And uh, Ben, why don't you why don't you do why don't you do me the honors of reading this? Okay. Well, my acronym for Florida is it, it helps you remember the two different types of people in Florida. Um, so this is my acronym for Florida: feckless loser or retirement in devil's asshole. Feckless loser or retirement. Or retirement. Yeah. F L O R I D A. Yeah. Either you're yeah, either you're an old person retiring in one of the worst places on earth or you're just someone who was a victim of their environment and grew up in Florida and decided to become Florida. Uh-huh. On the inside. You know what I mean? It become the devil's asshole. 
<laughs> yeah, and and I and the one I came up with is uh, fortunately, lack of roads isolates destitute area. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So uh, so there is a bright side to to Florida. It's pretty isolated. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's hard to get there. Hard for Floridians to get out. Yeah, which is really the most important. Containment is our number one yeah. priority. Also, I just want to put this out there, and maybe this is a half cocked idea, but I'm still going to put it out with my, with the force of a full cocked idea. So (laughs) Florida sounds a lot like fluoride and the government puts fluoride in our water to mind control us. So it only stands uh, to reason that Florida is ground zero for the government's mind control schemes. They're turning the frogs gay. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> I've heard of that. Ben, I I've have, heard of I that. I have chills. <laughs> I know. Alex Jones. Yeah, it's an Alex Jones joke. <laughs> but I've. But the gay. thing is, I've been listening to Alex Jones to try and make fun of him. And the more I listen to him, the more sense he makes. It's like I saw my roommate's cat walking around. And after listening to Alex Jones, I just knew that the government has been putting a microphone in my roommate's cat to record all of us. Yeah. It's just walking around recording all of us. And, and why are we even recording this podcast in the mics? Exactly. Let's we should be just talking, talking. Joni's asshole. <laughs> That's exactly what we could do. But then the only the government would have access to our podcast. And we want to make the, the podcast for our people. For the people, not just our the fans. Because we really love our fans. We love, we love our fans. And that's all for the second installment of Is Florida So Bad? We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a second after a word from our sponsor. This episode of The Real Boys Podcast is brought to you by God. Are you looking for meaning in life? Are your crops not growing abundantly? Tired of the gaze? Look no further than God. The Almighty One will solve all of your problems. From chronic anemia to acute gastritis, nothing can stand in the way of the omnipotent creator. And if you don't believe in God, that's okay. For the low price of a weekly tithe and 420 Hail Marys, you too can become an Alabama state senator. If you don't believe us, Donald from NYC says, I held up a Bible once and stated that it was better than The Art of the Deal, which is the best book, just a tremendous book. I have many, many friends, important friends, and they're smart people, and they're saying it. Everyone's saying it. The Art of the Deal is a great book. If you're interested in God, call today. And we're back. Hey, Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing real good. You're doing still good? sipping on this whiskey, still feeling frisky. Nice. Right on. I'm still naked. <clears throat> I like to rhyme. So do I. I don't know. So do yeah, I. Yeah, it's not a crime. <laughs> and if it were, I would do the time. Wow. That's right. I have chills. <laughs> um, so, you know, everyone, everyone knows uh, the Real Boys podcast. We like to, you know, keep it loosey-goosey for a while and, and do a couple <laughs> nice bits. rhyme. But yeah. Um, but e- each episode, we uh, we do a main story. And uh, this episode is a little bit different than the last one we made. This episode, we're going to be talking about something maybe a little drier. Um, we're It's called Ordinance BL2016-378. Not going to lie, that does sound dry. But here's the thing. this uh, This ordinance actually is covering a topic that is pretty, pretty fun to talk about. Not too boring. 
And that topic is... Pot. Pot. We're going to be talking about weed. That's right. We are talking about a law that was passed in Nashville um, back in 2016 regarding, uh, you know, punishment for -hmm. being caught with pot. Um, Right. And so I'm just going to sort of start at the beginning here. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, this might take a second, but I think it's well worth it. This is something that if you live in Nashville or around Davidson County, I think is relevant to the conversation. Yeah. um, Sort of regarding uh, where we're at politically in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. Um, so last September, the Nashville City Council introduced uh, what's called a civil a city ordinance, and that's BL 2016-378. Um, and it was intended to lessen the penalties for someone who's caught with a half ounce or less of pot. Um, it was sponsored by a city councilman named Dave Rosenberg with the intention of keeping minor drug possession from completely ruining a person's life. And that is not without basis. Um, Representative Bill Lambert, who's part of the Tennessee House of Representatives, not um, a representative for Tennessee in, in Congress in Washington, but part of the smaller House of Representatives here, he like really actually emphasized that there's a strong racial disparity in drug charges, um, where blacks are arrested four times more than whites, even though uh, the two demographics smoke pot at nearly identical rates. Hmm. Um, And what I think is fascinating about this is this is one of the first Southern bills and certainly the first in Tennessee where we have uh, considered lessening drug charges, the charges brought against you for being caught with weed. So what the bill did uh, was for someone caught with a half ounce of pot or less, they would be given either a $50 fine or 10 hours of community service. Um, That's rather than the usual class A misdemeanor, which can have a fine up to actually $2,500 and a year in jail. Just for reference, um, half ounce of pot is actually not a small amount. Steve Anderson, who's the Metro police chief, uh, he said in an interview to the Tennessean that that amount is enough to roll 50 joints. Uh, That's about two and a half packs of cigarettes worth of weed. Um, So it's not exactly a small amount. Um, But you know, the net that this law would cast is especially beneficial to those caught with only a small amount of drugs on them, uh, which is most of the time college students or young people. Um, And laws punishing offenders with more than that amount would have, you know, would retain severe consequences, would still qualify as a class A misdemeanor. Anyway, the biggest difference between the ordinance and the state law is how the charges would be prosecuted. So under state law, a class A misdemeanor is processed in criminal court, which is sort of the court you usually think of if you've seen movies or things like that. But um, under this ordinance, offenders would be issued instead a civil citation. And this is a pretty significant distinction. Civil court is for private disputes between people or organizations. So, you know, if I was to sue you, Ben, if you didn't live up to the standards of, you know, the housing contract you signed if I was your landlord or something like that, um, that would be processed in civil court. Now, criminal court is for actions that are quote unquote deemed to be harmful to society as a whole. So this ordinance would allow possession of marijuana to be viewed differently. It would set it apart from other crimes that are considered to hurt society at large. And this is actually a view that's shared by a majority of Americans. Uh, over 50% of Americans believe that marijuana is not equivalent to more other class A drugs like heroin or uh, methamphetamine. 
And the bill garnered actually a lot of support, especially from the Tennessee Black Caucus. Uh, they emphasized that, you know, there really is a disproportionate way that poor and minority communities are affected by harsh drug laws. And the mayor, Megan Berry, also voiced uh, general support for the ordinance. And it actually became a law in September with only three votes against it, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Anyway, uh, pretty much right after the bill was introduced, the Tennessee attorney general uh, immediately raised concerns about how the ordinance strips state law of some of its legislative power. And that was actually an issue, issue that Councilman uh, Rosenberg, if you remember, he's the one who sponsored the bill. He addressed by saying that the law should be treated like any other Nashville ordinances. So those also include seatbelt laws and laws against littering. And in large cities like Nashville, um, and especially even larger ones, Chicago and New York City, oftentimes stricter state laws just cannot be weeded out and prosecuted uh, in a city that large. There's a lot of people. And so, you know, if you pulled over everyone who didn't have a seatbelt on, the officers would be too tied up to actually deal with real with real problems. And so Rosenberg said that this is roughly the equivalent to that in terms of sort of civil impact. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, another contentious aspect of the law is who is given the power to choose who receives a lighter citation and who retains the Class A misdemeanor. Um, and Representative Bill Lambert from earlier, he was one of the main vocalists behind this, uh, behind this disparity. And that's for really good reason, actually. Um, racial profiling is a fact of life for black Americans and people of color in general. And if it's up to an officer who does or doesn't receive a lighter punishment, that bias is absolutely certain to seep into this. Uh, Lambert even referred to the situation as Russian roulette in mm. a way. Um, and in response, there were two different strategies that were, were put forward to sort of mitigate that, that, that problem. The first one is the Davidson County clerk would monitor the civil citations looking for bias and um, stated that Nashville's criminal justice system should do the same for their state misdemeanors. So that would actually carry over into a larger uh, picture in the state, which it would be a good thing overall. Mm -hmm. The second solution uh, is Police Chief Anderson again said that the department was collecting baseline info from before the ordinance and after it took effect, which would make clear any biases or issues in um, you know unfair treatment, and that would be available to the public. All of this is available if you know where to look, which is actually quite difficult. I found when I was researching this. So I, I want to get something straight is, is this, uh, was this law something that allowed police officers to choose who gets the civil citations, the like basically fines yeah. and who gets criminal charges? Yeah. So it's, so even racial profiling aside, I would say that's my biggest problem with the law is mm -hmm. that, uh, it's sort of an egregious infringement upon the due process parts of the constitution, which I know that invoking the constitution for some people can be sort of an annoying thing. But like mm -hmm. for those of us that still care, cause I think generally like staying true to the constitution is the only like real way that we can have like a, a check on, right. on what we do in mm -hmm. society, like as, as lawmakers basically, yeah. uh, there has to be at some point, some sort of arbitration that goes beyond like 
even the judicial system mm-hmm. and even the legislative system, which oftentimes, uh, which is the constitution right. usually. Right. So if something is infringing upon like, you know, what the constitution says, we should tread very lightly. We should be careful with that. And putting the power of police officers to, uh, to choose between who they're giving like the criminal charges to, uh, even if racial profiling wasn't a thing, which mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. uh, that would still be something worth arguing against. It would be yeah. something worth stopping. Yeah. So, you know, to really actually put it into like the simplest, you know, situation, you get pulled over, right? And you have, you know, less than a half ounce of, of pot on you. On the spot, like on the side of the road, that cop in that moment makes the decision. Yeah. So, you know, regardless of what they know about you, the situation, they would either say, okay, $50, I'll write you a ticket for $50, I'll take your weed. Or they book you, take you to jail, you get fined $2,500 and you can spend up to a whole year. Yeah, which is kind of scary. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to fear monger at all, but like to take that power away from judges, like really judges should be the only one who is deciding like, you know, what kind of sentence you get. But at the same time, like, there are judges in civil courts and there are judges in criminal courts mm-hmm. and giving police the power to decide who goes to get judged in criminal court versus civil court mm-hmm. is in a way giving police the power to put you in prison. Yeah, and which interpret is, the law to, you know, how they see fit, which is not the role of a policeman. No, the role isn't. of the policeman is to get people somewhere where, where they can be judged. Can be yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those solutions that were put forward were solutions. And that was sort of what we were hoping for. They're not great. I would have, you know, right when I first heard about this law last year, I sort of had in my head this vision of Megan Berry sitting at the head of a table with, you know, experts who would sort of just go through the data and make sure that it was used appropriately. Uh, But, you know, we'll have to settle. Um, And pretty much immediately after the ordinance took effect, uh, the problems became pretty apparent. Nashville judges brought up the similarities between the records left by civil cases and criminal cases. Okay, so part of the issue with prosecuting minor drug offenses is the mark on a person's record. Uh, These records are public, you know, data that can be accessed by anybody via the internet. And when an employer or a landlord is vetting a potential employee or renter, that information definitely plays a role in their decision if if they look it up. And the judges pointed out that although the charges wouldn't be carried out in criminal court, civil court citations and prosecution also leaves a mark on that person's record. So the idea that by instituting this ordinance, it would have let people have a better chance at getting a job or getting an apartment was kind of moot in the fact mm-hmm. that I don't think anyone cares if they see a drug charge, if it's civil or criminal, it's yeah, a drug charge. Yeah, they see a drug charge. Right, and yeah. that reflects poorly mm-hmm. on someone. So that was something that the the judges really pushed hard for. Um, but regardless, the ordinance was approved and it became a reality in uh, on, on the 20th of September, 2016. And soon after, Memphis actually enacted a similar law. Here's the weird thing, it was that the ordinance was in effect for almost seven months and it was only used 39 times compared to 963 traditional uh, class A misdemeanors. And in Memphis, it was only used one time Wow! in seven months. So it wasn't used very often at all. It wasn't all. used very much. And it was 
it was like in effect for how many months? Seven months. Seven months. Yeah. Wow. So here's what happened. Predictably, uh, the pushback from the Tennessee Attorney General and the governor led to the ordinance's repeal in March of this year, 2017. The effort was partially led by the aforementioned Representative Bill Lamberth from earlier, who emphasized really that we should have uniformity across state and local laws. But he also said that leaving punishment to the discretion of police officers would set criminal justice back 100 years, which honestly, I... Maybe hyperbole, but I agree with his point. Yeah, he's great. I I love this guy. I don't know much about Bill Lamberth, but I gotta say the homie is laying it down. He's he's really out here because doing he, something doing something important. And he closed his argument with, and I quote, "Lady Justice is blind." Hell yeah, she is. Nice, Bill. She's blind and she's hot as hell when she's blind. Gotta say. Lady Justice is blindfolded. Blindfolded. She's blindfolded. Bill Lamberth. That's that's the most important thing is that that judges have like a strict methodology in the Mm -hmm. courtroom Mm -hmm. to determining how they rule, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And a police officer just doesn't have that. So to give the power to a police officer to you know, essentially put you on the path. It's like a fork in the road to mm-hmm. put you on the path to either going to jail or the path to just getting a ticket, like mm-hmm. a speeding ticket mm-hmm. to put that power in, in the hands of just any old cop who happens to pull you over is, uh, it's, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. It's not, it's not justice. Uh, it's not. And, you know, and you know, what's interesting is also now that you mentioned sort of judges again, mm-hmm. there's also an option here. If you, were granted the civil citation if you paid the fine before you went to court or you completed community service you could go to court and the judge could dismiss your case without really going through the proceedings which would keep it off of your record Mm. even your civil record so that was the ideal way that this law would be implemented is Mm. first past the discretion of a random police officer and then the discretion again of a judge. So this was not exactly a by the book, like here's what you do in this situation, which really opens up the door for the bias that we yeah. were talking about. Um, and so in response, after all of this, the Tennessee House of Representatives uh, nullified the ordinance. Um, Councilman Rosenberg, he said that the state, quote, doesn't know what is best for the people of local communities like Nashville and Memphis. And he uh, referred to the repeal of his ordinance as the state legislature's uh, stomping on our throats is the verbiage he used. Yeah. Strong words. Yeah. And, you know, here it's actually worth noting that Nashville has two options for marijuana arrests um, still, even with Mm -hmm. that bill repealed. The first is the misdemeanor. But then there's also an option of a verbal warning. (laughs) This, as much research as I did, and I dug into this, the verbal warning seems completely arbitrary. I can't find anything in regards to who, like if it's just the cops slapping you on the wrist, if they take the drugs, mm-hmm. it's just kind of this amorphous, like verbal warning, uh, verbal warning. So that's weird in itself. I guess you can cross your fingers if you get caught, but I wouldn't count on that. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't count on the verbal. I wouldn't count on the cops being like, hey, hey. you darn, you darn crazy pot smoking kids. You better just stop. You better just I mean, stop. You better drive maybe, on off now. <laughs> maybe if you get a real cool cop, but I, uh-huh. I wouldn't count on it. Man. I wouldn't either. Cause that also would be kind of shirking their duty a bit. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, 
whatever. It sucks. Yeah. We have to, unfortunately, like as people who want justice, we have to be willing to want it even when it doesn't benefit us. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. if you get pulled over and you hope that the cop, I mean, I understand I can empathize with someone who hopes that the cop just gives them a verbal warning, but at the same time, like if you really want to be like as, as fair as possible, you should be okay with the fact that you're going to get punished the same as anybody else. Yeah. Which is the idea I think behind yeah, justice. It is. In itself. Um, Lady justice being Lady blind. justice is blind. So just to sort of, you know, I guess wrap this up. Yeah. Um, honestly, this whole tale is not that surprising for a city in the South. Uh, even though there are deeper Southern states that have similar measures uh, in place that have been in place and will stay in place for the foreseeable future, it takes a really long time for this kind of social change. One interesting thing I kept seeing over and over and over again while researching this is the use of the word decriminalization. It's a contentious term that I think oftentimes is conflated with legalization, which you know, it can be pretty unsavory for people who are staunchly opposed to drug legislation, um, which is, I think, the reason that that Councilman Rosenberg repeatedly insisted that this measure was not decriminalization, possibly an attempt to, you know, assuage people's fears about having, you know, people doing pot on the street and sort of pivot the focus back to the actual content of the ordinance. Mm-hmm. But really the larger impact of a word like that I think obscures what people actually know about the law. And so you'd see all these headlines, Nashville passes first decriminalization mm-hmm. law. And people see that they think legalization, yeah, they, they think, think weed is legal. Totally and it's, cool to go out and- Right. And yeah. it's bad for people who smoke pot because that's just stupid to go yeah. out and like <laughs> think it's legal. But it's also bad for people who smoke pot in that people who don't smoke pot are staunchly opposed to it. They're yeah. angry about yeah. it just by default. As a result yeah. of the word. Well, also, even if they understand the, the distinction between decriminalization and legalization, they might see it as a slippery slope into mm. legalization. Like mm-hmm. if we take steps with the law, and that's the unfortunate thing is that like, I think we should be conscious of the future, but not let it, uh, not let it like stand in the way of things in the present that mm-hmm. are more just. So like, I don't think it's right that people can go to prison for, for weed. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, you might disagree with me, but we shouldn't let the idea that decriminalizing something, uh, might make it legal in the future really keep us from decriminalizing it. Right. Cause in the first place, I think there's, you know, there's different motivations. Handle it one step at a time, you know, like if you don't think it should be legal, like, you know, make that the hill that you die on and not like the one that comes, you know, three Mm -hmm. steps before it in the chain of, uh, reactions, you know, because in a state like, like the States, the whole West coast, it has legalized marijuana now for recreational use. And I feel like that full legalization is for completely different reasons. Like, you know, there are decriminalization laws in effect that will help people disproportionately targeted by drug laws. And those, aren't necessarily so that people can enjoy weed or like make it more accessible. It's so that like the, you know, they're not unjustly prosecuted for this stuff and put in jail for something that in my opinion does not equate to methamphetamine or heroin. And so, you know, if there was a big push to legalize recreational marijuana, so people can just have fun smoking weed or whatever, 
um, that would be different. I, I think in general, and this might be out there, uh, most people might not agree. It might be unpopular mm-hmm. uh, to say this, but I think in general, something uh, that harms nobody but yourself should not become a felony. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't be able to be put in prison. Even if you do heroin or meth, uh, putting people in prison, like as a pragmatic uh, approach to this, like does not solve the problem mm-hmm. at all. It actually turns them into hardened cr- criminals. I mean, we have a high recidivism rate in the U S but you know, Ron Paul, places, yeah. Ron Paul, 2012, uh, <laughs> places that treat this more as a health issue, even like the, yeah. even yeah. the hard drugs as a health issue rather than like, mm-hmm. we're going to put you in prison with like murderers and rapists. Like, yeah. Seeing it as a, as, a problem to be solved by treating it rather than seeing that person as a criminal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because drug abuse and drug addiction, like we have, you know, the opioid epidemic right now. Those aren't all criminals. All the people on opiates, very few of them are probably like actually criminals. A lot of them are people who, you know, were prescribed painkillers for a work injury and now they're addicted and they have to get it somehow. It's not that they're, you know, trying to kill your kids or, break into your house. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. Um, going forward, I, I don't have super, I, I'm not super optimistic about where we're going to go with this. Uh, I think immediately we have to deal with, with the opioids, um, yeah. and restricting marijuana access actually is not a good way to do that. No, um, they work in similar ways or so I've heard from other podcasts. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that, so basically in some, if you heard about this ordinance in 2016 and haven't been keeping up with it, it is no longer in effect. Hell yeah. It's gone. No, it's gone. It's gone. Get um, that, get that weak shit out of here. That 420. That 420. Down, it's back to 110. Um, <laughs> don't bother. Just a heads up from yeah. the Real Boys podcast on the True Boys Media Podcast Network. Nice. This, is, this has been a heads up. A heads up. A heads up. And to close out the second episode of the Real Boys podcast, we're introducing a brand new bit. We're really excited about this. We've been working on it for, honestly, since before the first podcast. And it's called uh, it's called Heavy Breathing with Ben and Seth. All right. You ready, Ben? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's do this. great all right well thank you guys for listening to the real boys podcast it's been a real special one and we will see you guys next time and and just remember if you're driving with a half ounce or less of pot sick so i actually forgot to record this when we were in the studio a week ago to record the podcast but as you know, uh, every episode we like to close it out with a story that somebody's told us or one of our friends said that we thought was really interesting. This one's from my buddy Asher, who recently actually left to start climbing cell towers uh, all over the country. And before he left, I wanted to grab this down on recording. It's a story about him climbing at someone's house in Franklin, and I think you're going to really like it. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll be back in December. Hey guys, it's Asher. Um, pretty wild time. So I was with my girlfriend and we were at this Christmas party at this really nice house in Franklin. We're talking climbing gym in the basement, pool outside, hot tub inside, three stories, big DJ lights, 
crazy, the whole thing. Um, lots of old, wealthy, white people, very, very intoxicated. And Hope, my girlfriend and myself, also very, very intoxicated. So we're down at the climbing wall, and this older gentleman walks up with a uh, turtleneck on, as per usual, and he says, hey, my name's uh, Bill. You know how to climb? And I was like, yeah, I know how to climb. And he's like, would you show me? And I thought I recognized him, but I was really drunk, so I was just like kind of put it to my side and taught him how to climb, showed him the footholds, the handholds. He made it all the way up. It was awesome. Introduced me to his wife, and you might actually remember her name. Do you know her name? Melinda. Melinda, that's right. Introduced me to Melinda, and it was then that I realized that this Bill looked shockingly like Bill Gates. And all the people around me were clearly just just out the butt money. So I was too drunk to think on it. It wasn't until the next day at 6 p.m. that we ended up remembering that that happened and calling the host of the party to see what the heck that was. Turns out family friend Bill Gates had stopped by and I got to teach him how to climb. So you taught Bill Gates how to climb. I taught Bill Gates how to climb.